beauty and skincare is always a hot topic around here, and today I want to tell you about a new product line I've discovered that I think you will like, Exponent Beauty. Listeners of the show will receive 20% off their purchase. More details on that in a minute. Exponent Beauty is a skincare brand with a line of activated anti-aging serums that are clinically proven to reduce fine lines and wrinkles. The beauty of Exponent Beauty is their innovative form factor. The powders are activated with a quadruple hyaluronic acid serum in their patented precision-dosed dispenser. The packaging is gorgeous, and the dispenser itself is refillable, so it has also reduced plastic waste. Exponent Beauty's line of serums can be found in med spas and spas and dermatologists' office around the country. The line is dermatologist-recommended and clinically proven to reduce those fine lines and wrinkles, and to increase brightness and radiance, and to firm skin without irritation. No more expired or underutilized products with Exponent Beauty, just high-quality skincare with ingredients that work. Go to ExponentBeauty.com and use code TELL20 for 20% off a purchase of $100 or more. That's Exponent, E-X-P-O-N-E-N-T, Beauty, B-E-A-U-T-Y.com and use code TELL20, T-E-L-L, the numbers two zero for 20% off your purchase of $100 or more. I'm Laura Tremaine, and I have 10 things to tell you, and you have 10 things to tell. This show is about connection with each other and with ourselves, and the hope is that the things we talk about here will be fuel for better conversations and a personal awareness. Each episode has a prompt or a topic that I want you to take to your journal, text to a friend, or share on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. This is a show about digging deeper and sharing our stuff. I'll go first. Some of the most popular episodes here on 10 Things to Tell You involve the members of my business mastermind, Jamie Golden, Kendra Adachi, and Bree McCoy. If you have been listening for a long time, you know that these women mean so much to me. I even have a dedicated chapter to them in my new book, The Life Council, 10 friends every woman needs. They are such an important presence in my life, both personally and professionally. And cheering them on in their endeavors is such a joy because they do such awesome work. It is incredibly easy to sing their praises. And we have one of them here with us today. My guest is my dear and delightful friend and mastermind group member, Bree McCoy. Maybe you recognize Bree's bubbly voice from her appearances here on the show, or maybe, like she is for me, she is one of your favorite follows on Instagram because she is so funny. She is so informative. I always press play when I see that she has a story going up on Instagram. But however you know Brie, or if this episode is your introduction to her, she is sure to be one of your favorite people on the internet. Brie McCoy calls herself an accidental home cook. 
She's the author of Come and Eat and a lover of gathering people from her everyday table. She's also the creator of the Everyday Kitchen Masterclass, a five-week online course that teaches people how to become more confident home cooks. I took her Everyday Kitchen Masterclass. It is fabulous. Brie is so good at teaching kitchen fundamentals without making you feel dumb. Her goal is always to make you feel more confident in the most important room in the house. So out of that Everyday Kitchen Masterclass came her new book. It is aptly titled The Cook's Book, Recipes for Keeps and Essential Techniques to Master Every Day. The Cook's Book comes out August 29th, and you can pre-order it right now from your favorite online retailers like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Target. You know what's coming. People who pre-order The Cook's Book get some very fun bonuses. And since I know that you will want this book, I'm just telling you, you will, Go ahead and pre-order so that you get the bonuses too. If you pre-order the Cook's Book, you will get the Cook's Bundle for free, delivered immediately to your inbox. This bundle is perfect for back-to-school season. It includes three ebooks, three ebooks, with over 45 recipes from lemony spring orzo to garlicky cheesy pizza rolls to an avocado crema you will want to drizzle on everything. This bundle also includes the Egg Guide, a beautifully designed download that shares all the popular ways to make eggs, from jammy eggs to over easy to fried. Lastly, and maybe the most fun part of the bundle, you will get access to a free online cooking class with Brie herself in September to make one of her recipes from the cookbook. This class alone, it is totally worth the cost of the cookbook, and you get it for free when you pre-order. All you have to do to get immediate access is visit getthecooksbook.com and pre-order the book, then fill out the form to get your pre-order bonuses. Of course, I will put all of this in the show notes. In our episode together here today, Bree and I talk about the five things she wished she knew before she started learning how to cook. This conversation is full of wisdom about cooking and entertaining, and because it's me and Bree, so much laughter. Whether you are an established home cook or you're just starting out or somewhere in between, like me, this conversation will have something for you. I had so much fun with Brie recording this conversation. We always have fun together. I think you will have so much fun listening to it. Brie McCoy, welcome to 10 Things to Tell You. Laura, thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I love talking with you. Off mic, on mic. I just love being with you. And so I'm super excited for us to share everything that we're going to talk about today on the show. Same. I love talking to you about everything. And I'm so excited to be able to share my secrets on cooking. (laughs) And many secrets you do have. So many. (laughs) So you have a new book out. That's what we're going to talk about today. It is so, can I just say before we talk about things, your book is so beautiful. Thank you so much. That means so much. And I mean like physically beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) It's so pretty. And if I didn't love everything that's inside, which I do, this book made me laugh out loud, which I, I, I've never had a cooking book that made me laugh out loud. Like I love everything that you share about in the book, but if nothing else, I would want this book to be on my shelf looking beautiful in the kitchen. That's how pretty it is. It's like a, it's like a coffee table book, but it's for your kitchen. Thank you so much, Laura. I really, I did really want to produce a pretty cookbook. She's pretty on the outside, but she, she has a good personality too. That's exactly right. It's on the, it's what's on the inside that matters, right? (laughs) Exactly. 
Okay, so listeners to the show might be familiar with you because we have recorded together a couple of times with our mastermind. Actually, we've done an episode together, just you and me, but what they might be more familiar with are these very popular episodes that we have done with our mastermind. We are in a mastermind group together with Kendra Adachi and Jamie Golden. And, you know, our conversations, they're People love them. I love them. They're very fun. And that might be where they are familiar with your voice. Also on Instagram, because you are amazing on Instagram. But for any listeners who have not listened to those Mastermind episodes or who aren't familiar with you yet on Instagram, can you just give us like a a brief sort of introduction to who you are, what kind of work you do, all the things? Absolutely. I'm Brie McCoy, as we've learned, and I call myself an accidental home cook because I did not want to cook. I kind of stumbled into the kitchen, and from teaching myself how to cook, I started a food blog because I feel like that's what you did 10 years ago. If you were learning something, you were like, well, now I start a blog. So I started a (laughs) blog, and I was like, I don't know what I was doing, actually. I didn't know how to cook, and I started a blog, and it was mostly documenting This is what I'm learning in the kitchen. And from there, I've written a food memoir and now this cookbook. And I love teaching people how to cook. I love your story about why you learned to cook in the first place and kind of where you were as a newlywed. Can you just like say a little bit more about that? Because it actually made me laugh out loud when you talk about that. Yes, I loved not knowing how to cook. I thought it was an important part of my DNA. Like I have many talents, but cooking is not one of them. And then I got married and my husband and I, we would eat takeout every night. And one night, Jeremy and I were eating our pad thai at the table. And he was like, hey, like we are going to go into serious debt at 26 if we keep eating out every night. And I was like, well, debt or starvation. Like these are the options. Okay. I I think that is going to be okay. And he was like, well, I have another option. What if we learned how to cook? And I, I honestly thought the marriage was going to dissolve right there. Like we were one year in and I was like, you have married the wrong person. Like you've married the wrong woman. But I considered it. I considered it. And I decided to go get a cookbook. And I went and I was so overwhelmed, like standing in Barnes & Noble, all of the cookbooks, so many of them. I didn't know where to start. And so I picked up a cookbook called Cooking Light, which I thought meant less cooking, not healthy cooking. I was like, cooking light. That's what I want to do. I want to do light (laughs) cooking, heavy eating, light cooking. And I bought it and I just started to cook recipes. Every recipe in that book I cooked and slowly was, well, I thought I was learning how to cook. But then another revelation came. I actually love that you said the piece about you had sort of carried it almost like part of your identity that you didn't know how to cook because I have a really specific memory from a holiday dinner when I was in my 20s and I was like at a holiday dinner with, you know, my parents, my parents, best friends, like a a whole slew of people at a big long table, you know, generations ahead of me. And I don't, I don't remember what we were talking about, but I have this really distinct memory of sort of declaring at this holiday table that I was never going to cook. Yes. I don't know if it's like, you're younger than me, but I don't know if it's like a generational thing or what it is that we sort of take on this like 
it's like part of our personality to sort of declare it that we are not going to be cooks. I don't know what that is. Is it is it just because that seems outdated to cook? Like, did did we think that? Or did it seem like just too hard to learn a new thing? Like, I'm already like learning enough in my 20s or whatever. Like, I just, I think it's like sort of a, a common story and also kind of weird. Yes. I do think it is interesting because I feel like a generation below us, it was like, this, this is not even a question. Like, I am the home cook. Like, I am maybe the woman of the household. So I am the one who will be feeding the family. And I think for me, I was just like, I don't like doing it. So I'm, I'm not doing it. There, there, I, I don't yeah. know what else you want from me. Like we have, I mean, now, especially like with DoorDash, we didn't have DoorDash when I was newly married, but we did have Thai takeout on our corner street that I could walk to. And so I think so much has changed in the world of cooking or how to get your food. DoorDash, takeout, it's convenience foods. Yeah. Convenience foods for sure. You don't have to learn to cook. And so you don't, but then eventually you realize that it's so much more cost effective to cook. You actually feel better when you are cooking versus eating so many, you know, takeout or processed foods or whatever. So yeah, there's, there's lots of reasons why I think we, we determine this when we're young and then it might change. But then when you decide that you want to change it, like you did as a newlywed, this happened for me when I was a new mom, my baby hated restaurants. Lucy hated being in restaurants. What? She was a non-fussy baby in general, but for whatever reason, she was a disaster when we would eat out. And so it sort of became a necessity of like, well, we're going to have to eat at home now all the time <laughs> because I oh. cannot deal with tantruming baby every time we, you know, go to a restaurant like that makes it so unpleasant. And so that was the necessity for me is I was like, well, we're buckling down with the ch- children that we're going to be at home all the time. Now I better learn to cook. So that was the, that was what made me start to cook. But anyway, you are here to talk to us for people who might be in this place of wanting to learn to cook, needing to learn to cook. But like, it feels like a big task. And so you have brought to us, I love it so much, five things I wish that someone would have told me when I was learning to cook. Five things. I love it. Can you tell us the first thing? Yes. And to your point with Lucy, I feel like it is going to be a natural part of adulthood for all of us to come to, we're we're going to have vastly different reasons, whether it's dietary restrictions or like kids that don't like to go out to eat or like not going into debt, where we're going to find our place, ourself being like, you know what, actually cooking is probably going to be my best option right now. Mm -hmm. And so I just wish, like you said, I wish that I knew these things when I started to learn how to cook. And the first one is that I wish someone would have told me there is a difference between reading a recipe and actually knowing how to cook. And so to the point that I had mentioned earlier, I cooked all the way through Cooking Light's cookbook. And I thought, well, if I can read a recipe, then I know how to cook. But I also realized I'm still burning a lot of meals. I'm still over salting (laughs) a lot of meals. Like I'm still like my chicken is burnt on the outside. It's raw on the inside. But, But I'm like following the recipe. So I didn't understand. I was like, how does my food not look like the photo in this cookbook? And it occurred to me that maybe reading a recipe is not the same as actually knowing how to cook. Okay, wait, say even more about that, though, because 
I feel like I'm somewhere in between. Like I have cooked enough recipes <laughs> that I, I, you know, I'm not only following the recipe, but I also don't have a knowledge. Like I don't have an instinct and I don't have, you know, haven't done any research. Like I don't, I haven't actually been taught the sort of things that I've cobbled together over the years between following a recipe and then following my own taste buds. But like, I actually don't, as you're describing it, like I actually can't just whip up something from what I have in my fridge or pantry, like my mom can. My mom, who actually literally knows how to cook, she can just figure it out. When I'm like, well, I mean, I can kind of figure it out, but I still need Google. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. I think when I first started, I really was looking at a recipe as the GPS. Like I have this image of um, that clip in, I think it's the office where Michael Scott, like he's listening to his GPS and it's like, turn left. And like, there is a pond clearly on the left and he's still like, but no, it said to, and he just drives into the pond and it's because it's like the lady said to turn left. And that is how I felt in the kitchen. Like I would clearly be seeing my chicken burning on the stove and I'd be like, but the recipe says eight minutes and it's only been four. So I'm I'm doing exactly what the recipe says. And I eventually learned that a recipe should be approached more like a compass. Like this is the general direction we're going in. We want to brown the chicken. And so I really was like, okay, I think that if I learn just like a few skills, then I can kind of use the recipe as a guideline, but I'll know when to flip my chicken because the recipe doesn't know that my stove burns hot or where the hot spots are. The recipe doesn't know what kind of salt I'm using. The recipe doesn't know that I don't have these kind of spices on hand, but I have these kind of spices on hand. And so it was just realizing, like, I love recipes. I use them all the time. But once I started approaching them more as a compass and learning a few kitchen skills, I was able to really say, oh, I know how to cook. Like, if something starts going wrong, I know what to do. If I'm out of an ingredient, I know what to substitute with it. If it's too salty, I know what to do. Yeah, it's so smart. It's so smart. And I have learned so much from your book. I also have learned just from watching you online over all of these years. Like, I love it when you talk about different types of salt. I love it when you talk about your knives. And I've truly, like, learned these things from you over the past couple of years following you. And so, like, having it in book form where it's like an easy reference for these things that you have talked about and felt really passionate about and have taught on, that's like the best because I don't have to go search like through your highlights or through, you know, or whatever. Like be like, crap, what does Bree say about the garlic thing? I don't remember. <laughs> so now I'm going to have it in a book form, easy reference on my counter, on my shelf. And I think that that is like so valuable. That means that, that is exactly what I was going for. Because I was like, I want to write the book that I wanted when I was 26. Yeah. Like, I don't want to feel like, okay, I'm reading this recipe over here, but I'm going to Google over here, but I'm looking at someone's Instagram highlight over here. I just wanted it all in one place. Yeah, which it is. If, even for those of us that are no longer 26. <laughs> Same. Okay. What is the second thing that you wish that you ha had known when you were learning to cook? The second thing is I wish someone would have told me like, just take a little bit of time on the front end to learn a few cooking skills because that is going to pay off in the long run. 
I really felt like, and I think a lot of people maybe feel like this, like I'm getting into the kitchen at 6 p.m. I'm already hungry. I've done the meal prep. I've done the grocery planning. I'm just going to read the recipe. Like I'm not learn. I'm not taking the time to learn how to properly chop an onion. I'm not going to learn how to heat my pan so that food doesn't stick. Like I don't have time. So I'm just going to wing it and hope that what comes out on the other end is delicious. And I realized that was actually costing me more time than just taking a little bit of time in the beginning to stop and say like, maybe, maybe it would be helpful if I knew how to chop an onion because then I wouldn't be taking 10 minutes every evening chopping an onion. Mm. If I knew how my pan heated, maybe I w- it wouldn't always be like a choose your own adventure. Like, is this chicken sticking to the pan tonight or not? We don't know. <laughs> it was like, I just was, I am so grateful. I look back on my younger self and I'm like, oh, I'm so grateful. You just learned a few techniques because those techniques have literally followed me, you know, for over a decade now. And I rely on them and use them every night when I cook dinner. Well, that's like, the key to a lot of life, right, is the prep. It's like the the work that you do at the beginning is going to make things in the future easier. And I constantly want to skip that step. Yes. Same. <laughs> because I'm like, well, winging it has served me well. Yes. <laughs> Except when it hasn't. And so... You know, if I was like, well, maybe I should have researched this a little bit or paid attention. The last time I made this recipe, that would have been helpful this time. So, yes, I love that so much. I know. I I feel like something that I learned through this process of learning how to cook is I feel like learning something unlocks. It doesn't just unlock confidence, but it unlocks a joy. Because you can go in. I can go into the kitchen now and I just know. I just know very, like. I don't know a hundred things about cooking, but I know 10 really powerful things about cooking. And so it has unlocked a lot of joy for me as well. Yeah. You know, you talk a ton about confidence in the kitchen. That's like one of your big things. And I think that when we have confidence in any area, and I do feel like the kitchen is sort of a place of vulnerability, like where we feel like if we're bad at it, that we're like not great at being a woman or a human or a, you know, a wife or a mom or, you know, whatever. Like we have these sort of insecurities in the kitchen a lot of times, but that when you talk about having confidence in the kitchen, that resonates with me so much. Like that, that phrase like strikes a chord with me because I feel like when we have confidence in any area, everything else turns out better. Like, even if you ruin the recipe or burn it or whatever, you don't go immediately to this place of like, well, I'm a terrible person. Like, I'm never going to be able to do this. You go to a place of like, well, I did that too long or whatever. You just know that you, how you messed it up, but it is, it doesn't go to your worth. And I'm not trying to make it like super deep, but I really do feel like food and cooking and serving others, like feeding others in a nurturing way, like a lot of these things we can kind of tangle up a little bit in like our worth or our identity, like we already talked about a little bit. And so like having confidence there kind of makes a lot of things smoother and better and like less, less tender when you have like a confidence in feeding people and feeding yourself. That is so good. I know I don't, I something that I've been exploring, especially as I was learning to cook is like, why is cooking so personal? like attached to worth. 
it's like, and I feel like one thing as I've led, you know, cooking classes and taught people how to cook, it's always like, I'm a good cook or I'm a bad cook. And it's like, you know, to the, to the people who are good cooks, I'm like, that's awesome. That's great. I love that you feel confident that you're like, I'm a good cook. For the people who say I'm a bad cook, I think I want to challenge that and say, maybe you just haven't learned a few of the skills yet that would, maybe it's not that you're bad at cooking and it doesn't have to be like a value judgment. Maybe mm. it's just that you need to learn a few skills like I did, or maybe it's just that you can just be a cook. You don't have to be bad or good. <laughs> right. It doesn't have to be a part of like your persona. You know, for some people it is, for me it obviously is, but I I don't think that that needs to be a thing. It's like, I cook. I cook dinner. I feed people. Yeah. Which is actually no small thing. Right. Every evening, keeping your family sustained by nutrients, <laughs> it's a pretty big deal. Yeah. It matters. It matters. It's not every day that you find a product that you truly love and want to shout about from the rooftops. Well, friends, I have found something that I am genuinely excited to share with you today, and that is Born Shoes. Born Shoes are made with the best top quality leather with functional stitching and flexibility. They are lightweight, but they're also supportive. They are great for all casual occasions, extremely comfortable, and especially good for travel. The brand recently gifted me a pair of the Ithaca style sandals. Of course, they are beautiful. The footbed has extra foam for added comfort and with a slight heel for lift. I am positive that I could walk all over London in this pair of shoes, just like I did in my Born Sandals last summer. Born Shoes offers sandals, flats, boots, and heels in several styles and color choices. Take comfort in Born Shoes. Every season, they make high-quality shoes that feel as good as they look. With artistic touches, unparalleled craftsmanship, and exquisite materials, Born designs shoes to satisfy the demands of every lifestyle. Go to bornshoes.com for a 15% discount plus free ground shipping on all full-price shoes when you use my promo code TELL. That's born, B-O-R-N, shoes, S-H-O-E-S, dot com and use promo code TELL, T-E-L-L, for 15% off and free shipping, available exclusively to our listeners for a limited time. Y'all know that I love to play games on my phone to unwind, and I am always looking for a new one to download. And I recently ran across Two Dots, and I want to tell you about it. Two Dots is a free-to-download, puzzle-based game that involves connecting dots through relaxing puzzles while unlocking levels and collecting prizes along the way. There are different gameplay modes to make the experience unique and exciting with every single puzzle. There are over five thousand distinct puzzles with various power-ups and special dots ready to earn as you move through the levels. The in-app music and visually stimulating interface provide a soothing experience when you just want to relax and unwind. Not only is Two Dots free to download, but it can also be played without internet connection. So playing on the go offline is a breeze. And if you don't want to play alone, you can challenge your friends on Facebook as well as connect with the larger Two Dots community for even more engagement. If you're looking for the perfect game to help you relax but also keep you engaged, download Two Dots for free on Android and iOS. Okay, number three. Oh, this is the one I'm so excited for you to talk about. Number three of five things that you wish you knew when you were learning to cook. I wish someone would have told me that not all salt is the same. I do not understand. Listen to me. I learned so much math. I learned so much math in high school. I have not used it. 
I like I have my calculator on my phone. Why did no one teach me about salt? Salt is the thing. Like I'm like, if someone would have taught me about salt in my early years, I feel like I would have skipped over a lot of mishaps in the kitchen. I just like salt is salt. So I remember when I was first learning to cook, we had been gifted for our wedding some salts. I was using them interchangeably. Table salt, kosher salt, flaked sea salt. I was just like, whatever I could reach at the time. So when a recipe said, you know, one teaspoon salt, I'm dumping in one teaspoon of table salt. Come to find out, table salt is for the table. Do not use that in your cooking. Like, it's it shouldn't be in your cooking. And I didn't understand, because I didn't understand salt, I also didn't realize, like, why sometimes when I make a dish, is it really salty? And sometimes when I make a dish, I can't taste the salt at all. And so it was when I realized, like, all salts, they're different. I don't understand salt. <laughs> yeah. Am I just allowed to say it? I don't. I, I hope I use salt correctly. I follow the recipe about salt, but and I use fancier salt when I'm making a fancier dish. <laughs> Is that wrong? No, no. Oh my gosh, I love that. I feel like I don't understand salt it should be like a book title or something. It just, <laughs> I don't, I didn't, I also didn't understand salt. And I think something that I, teach in my book is you can use whatever salt you want to use. Like you want to use, you do want to use table salt in your cooking. Fine. You want to use pink Himalayan salt in your cooking. Awesome. But just learn your salt. So table salt, what I do and I like challenge everyone to do is to like taste their salt lined up together because I think that's the best way to learn the difference between salts. So if kosher salt is a little bit more of a mild salt and it's one that a lot of home cooks like using because it does have, it's mild, so it's not going to be super punchy. It also mixes in with cooking food really well, like warmed food. So if you were to taste some kosher salt and then taste table salt, you will be shocked at the difference. Like mm. you will feel like you have put the whole ocean in your mouth after you taste table salt versus kosher salt, which is salty, but more mild. Not all kosher salt is the same. You have Morton is a really popular brand and so is Diamond Crystal. And a lot of recipes, if they're using Diamond Crystal, you got to cut Morton nearly in half because it's oh. saltier than Diamond Crystal. And I talk, I have like a salt conversion in the book so people can see if I'm using this salt and the recipe is calling for this much, I probably should use half, a quarter, one and a half times. But it is fun. Just, you know, have a wild Friday night, set your salts out before you taste them, have an espresso chaser. You're, you'll learn so much. That is a wild night. <laughs> Wait, can I just ask this? Because now I'm curious. Isn't salt somewhat, not to make a pun, but isn't it somewhat to taste? Like my mom loves things to be way saltier than almost anybody, right? But that tastes good to her. And so like, is part of it also learning your own palate? Or no, is there sort of like a, a standard? A hundred percent, I would say like your taste. Cause I, there are some people, which is why I love having table salt at the table. We will have some people who come over and they are like cranking that salt. And I'm like, I know this dish tastes good. Like, I know you are not. I know. What are you doing? But I'm like, okay, they like real, they like their food super, super salty. So yes, that's the other thing I talk about too, is like, learn 
what you like as salt. So you know when you're reading a recipe, if it says two teaspoons salt, and you're like, I know I'm going to put three teaspoons in there because I like it saltier. Or if you don't like salt so much, then you can say, mm, two teaspoons makes me nervous. I'm going to do one teaspoon. But I will also say that there is a seasoning that happens that does make food taste really good. I always say that salt kind of puts a spotlight on food and it makes it taste more of itself. So there's another lesson in the book where you take a bite of a tomato without salt and then you add a little bit of salt and take a bite of the tomato and the tomato just tastes more tomatoey. Like mm-hmm. potatoes taste more potatoey. Salt makes food taste more like itself. So that is, I think, an important part. People who are salt shy, get ready. No, I think that is a good distinction. I sometimes can't figure out why I don't love a recipe I made. Like I know it's right. It's fine. My family's enjoying it. Like it's not, it's fine. It's medium or whatever. And it will like one in three times occur to me like, oh, I'm going to add a little salt, like table salt, like after it's served. And I'll be like, oh, this is so much better. Yes. Yes. That is so smart. I think that is, I feel like that's one, one aspect of being like more confident as a home cook is to be like something is to even be able to identify like something here's missing a little bit. And like 90% of the time it is salt. Right. And it doesn't always occur to me because if it's not an obviously salty dish or whatever, I mean, it just doesn't always occur to me that that's sort of what the issue is. And so now that we're talking about it, maybe it'll occur to me more often. It's so important. Salt is so important. It's so important. Okay. Number four of five things that you wish you'd known when you were learning to cook. We've talked a little bit about this, but there's always more to say on this topic. Yes. So I wish someone would have told me that confidence in the kitchen does not equal perfection. I think when I was learning to cook and as I was gaining more skills, learning more techniques, understanding my ingredients more, I just naturally assumed, well, I'm never going to burn a chicken again, or my food is always going to taste 10 out of 10. And that's, that's not true. You all, I burned chicken in the pan two weeks ago. I knew exactly what happened. I knew what went wrong and I did know how to correct it. But I just was like, we are cooking hundreds of meals in a year, if you think about it. And there's just no way you're going to get every single meal perfect. There's no way every meal is going to taste like 10 out of 10. And I had to rewire that in my brain because what would happen is I would mess something up and then I'd be like, well, I'm not a good cook. Or this is on, like, I'm dumb. I should have known, like, not to add that much salt. And it was a value judgment a little bit, like we talked mm-hmm. about. And realizing, wait, no, it's not about being perfect. Sometimes it's, confidence just means, like, you can see the train going down the wrong set of tracks. And you acknowledge that. And you know how to turn the train around. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and that's confidence. Well, and I also want to mention this piece about confidence and perfection really paralyzes us in terms of entertaining. Yes. So we don't want to have people over because we're not super confident or, you know, if something were to go to wrong or it's not perfect. The few things that we know how to cook for our family or that we like or whatever, they don't feel, you know, worthy of guests or they're not super beautiful dishes necessarily. You know, they're like, if you're really great at making a casserole or certain kinds of chicken or whatever, maybe they're not that pretty. And so you don't want to have people over. Like it can really affect a lot of things, this this fear of perfection. And again, we already talked about it, but I really want to keep 
hammering home this point because I think that it really matters of we all, a lot of us have all kinds of issues around food and serving others and all this stuff that we keep talking about. It really does matter to how we are, are moving through our adulthood. And that's why I love this book because it gives you these tools without most cookbooks are either super, super beginner or they're like assuming you have a base level of knowledge. And so they're serving you up recipes or whatever. And your book to me falls squarely in the middle of maybe not super, super beginners, but also definitely doesn't make any assumptions. It's really teaching people some of these basics that maybe we're afraid we missed out on learning. Like, I don't want to admit I don't know much about salt in my 40s. Yes. Oh, I love that you pointed that out. And I think that's something also that helped with, I kind of rethought of it as like, you know, cooking doesn't have to be so intimidating. There's always going to be new things to learn. There's always going to be new techniques. There's so much, there's so much going on with cooking. I will be learning about cooking for the rest of my life. I just will. Mm -hmm. Like I'll be learning different techniques. I'll be learning how to cook different cuts of meat, but I can approach it with a confidence that is not tied to shame or perfectionism that you know, doesn't paralyze me. It just allows me to move in the world and eat food and eat food with people. Can I ask you a question about when you were learning to cook and you were a newlywed? Did you have hangups around if your new husband, Jeremy, was going to like judge you if it wasn't good? And this is not, a, this isn't a question about the patriarchy. <laughs> this is this is a like, question about that kind of goes to also entertaining, like that cooking for others, whatever that relationship is. Like, did you have a fear of like judgment? Like, how did you get over that you were learning something and trying out your learning on someone else? That is such a good question. I honestly say that I didn't feel that from him because I kind of came to it as like, I'm learning, like I'm learning. I don't, this, this is me learning. This dish tonight was bad. I made a full meal of just onions and cream and baked it. And I thought that was dinner. And, <laughs> and I served it to him. I slopped it into his bowl. And I was so proud because I had to chop like eight onions. I was so proud. With sunshine, outdoor activities, and so many fun things to do outside, it is impossible not to enjoy all of these good weather days up ahead. Of course, we all know that more sun and fun means more sweating, and yes, more odor. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Lumi. Lumi is the first of its kind in the full-body deodorant world and is seriously safe to use on any and every part of your body. It was created by an OBGYN who saw firsthand how regular body odor was being misdiagnosed and mistreated. I especially love that Lumi deodorant is baking soda and paraben-free. It is also pH balanced for safe use on all areas of your body. You can choose from a variety of fresh scents like clean tangerine, lavender sage, and toasted coconut. Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice, like a mini body wash or deodorant wipes, and free shipping. As a special offer for listeners, new customers get $5 off a Lumi starter pack with code U at lumideodorant.com. That equates to 40% off your starter pack when you visit Lumi, L-U-M-E, deodorant, D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T, 
com and use code you y-o-u yeah no brie was proud i was like i did this i did this thing and then we both took a bite and i was like this is bad we poured it down the sink <laughs> and ordered pizza but i do think that is such a good i i think i had such a mindset of like i'm learning and when you're learning something you're gonna mess up and you're gonna like get it wrong sometimes and so i that is my hope for anyone who is starting out learning in the kitchen or who are making some of the recipes in the cookbook is that you can fully embrace, you know, that learning mentality of I'm learning here. So I'm going to have grace for myself. Yeah. It's easier said than done though. In some ways, like your ego can really get in the way of like, I'm learning, but also look how good I am. Except in le- except if you're not, <laughs> That's so I don't know. Good. You know, like when you were like, I'm so proud. Look, I did it. And then you're like, oh, no. Like, <laughs> that was pretty, that was pretty bad. I was like, oh, this is bad. But it's interesting because we would also have people over to dinner. I made like super dried out Cornish hens. What, what was I doing making Cornish hens? Never in my life had I think I'd even seen a Cornish hen. And we we're having some new people over to dinner. And I was like, I'm going to make this dish I've never made before. It was so dry. It was so dry. But I think something that helped me is I watched everyone around the table eat that Cornish hen. And afterwards, they were like, this was so fun. This was so amazing. Like, when can we do it again? And I realized they're not talking about my Cornish hens. Like, that is not what they're talking about. But I did facilitate an opportunity for us to come together around a meal and just fellowship together. And it made me it allowed me to put food a little bit in the background. Like I was like, it needs to be there. Sure. Yeah. But I just freaking served dried out chicken, Cornish hens, whatever those are. And they, they're asking for another invite. So maybe it's not all about the food. Yes. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. I'm really glad you said that. I need to almost sit with that for a second because I, when, when I talk about entertaining, sometimes I talk about hosting people because we host people all the time in our home which we got out of the habit the last few years, but we're getting back into the habit. Yes. But I I have over the last, you know, time that I've been talking on the internet, talked about hosting people in our home. And one of the things that I always share isn't necessarily about cooking, but it's about, it's cooking adjacent to what we're talking about is don't try a new recipe for the first time when you are hosting people. It's going to stress you out. It's going to add undue stress when hosting people has built in inherent stress. So why would you like add this whole other layer, especially when you are, let's be honest, you're trying to impress them, Yeah, right? Like you're, you're trying to impress them with Cornish hens. You're trying to impress them with some fancy thing when it's so much better to go for a tried and true thing that you know is going to turn out fine. That's kind of a crowd pleaser, even if it's simple or whatever. Yes. And everybody has a great time. And sometimes the food is memorable for whatever reason. And sometimes the food is not as memorable. We all got fed. But the night was amazing. Oh, yeah. Preach. Preach. Yeah. I feel like that is, yeah, something that I learned obviously early on where I was like, why? In what world did I think, okay, we're newlyweds. We have, we're still trying to figure out our tiny little apartment we have, we're trying to make new friends and I'm going to totally try this new dish. And, and I think I also realized if I keep doing that, cause I did, I did keep doing that through the few years where it's like, we're having new people over. I'm going to make beef Wellington. Like we're having <laughs> new people over. 
I'm going to like do a Kahlua pig. Like, I'm like, what am I doing? I don't even have a backyard. What are you doing? But I realized if I keep doing that, I will not have people over as often as I want to have them over because I will be so stressed out. And I would rather have, I would rather people be like, when you go to Brie and Jeremy's house, you're having pizza, but they're coming over to our house a lot. Then only have people over once every few months because I feel like I have to impress them or entertain them with my food. Yes. And also as a guest of people's, I find that I don't always want a super fussy meal when I'm a guest. Right. Sometimes you just want something that's easy or familiar. Like you don't want to be navigating new social dynamics and also trying to figure out how you're supposed to eat a lettuce cup or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) So true. You know what I mean? Like you already have enough going on as a guest. You're like trying to be polite and you're trying to have a good conversation. And you just cannot, we cannot be spending half of our brain time being like, I don't know what I'm eating. What am I eating? Is this decoration or is this edible? (laughs) That's such a good point. Yeah. People want comfort food or easy food, you know, like whatever that means to you. Snacky food or or familiar food, like that just makes the evening about connection. And I think we can connect over food and we can even connect over fancy food given the right circumstances. But a lot of what we're talking about today is more about having confidence in the kitchen. And I think this goes to like, to have the most confident evening, yep. you, you got to do the basics. Like we're just talking about basics. Just basics. And I would say a very confident person would take that route. Like I was so insecure. I was so insecure in my cooking and things that I just felt like, well, why not just go all out? And I feel like a confident home cook can be like, you know what? My bolognese slaps. And that's every time new guests come over, they're getting bolognese. Oh, that was so good. Okay. Tell us number five of the five things you wish you knew when you were learning to cook. The last thing that I really wish someone would have told me when I was learning to cook is to find my why for cooking and to really lean into it. And a little bit like we talked at the beginning of this episode of like everybody might find a different reason for why they are learning to cook. I realized that my why for cooking was not so that I could know every cooking technique there was out there, but I was trying. I was trying to learn every cooking technique that that was out there. My why for cooking was not to be a professional chef. And yet I'm like going to professional chefs' websites trying to recreate the recipes. I'm like, what am I doing? And so I just realized like what is sitting down and really naming like why do I want to cook or learn how to cook? And it very quickly became apparent that I wanted to cook because I wanted to be at the table with my people. And so if I could learn how to cook, I could get to the table faster and Mm -hmm. I, I could worry about my food less. And so really once I identified that, it almost, that's where a lot of where my joy also was unlocked because I was like, I love cooking because I love being with my people. And so I'm going to like master a few techniques. I'm going to master a few recipes also I can get to my people. And I think everybody's why can be different. Like I think some people can be like, why maybe you're the only one who cooks in the house and you're like, I'm, I'm literally the one that's sustaining these people, mm-hmm. but to put it in a way that is more purposeful and less like a drag can be helpful. It also sort of helps when you are searching for recipes or searching for, you know, your meal planning or whatever, when you're like sort of 
thinking about those things to know your why. So like, let's say that your why is budgetary reasons. Like you want to cut down on food costs, which is going to be a really common thing right now. That helps you when you're looking up like best, let's just say Trader Joe's recipes because their prices are more reasonable. Or it, you know, if you're trying to do a low sodium diet for health reasons, and then that helps your, that helps guide your planning in a way that just narrows it down. Because like you said, cooking is a crazy broad topic. Like it's so huge that that is a lot of times what's overwhelming to us. So if you have a why, like my why is to make the most, the freshest food I can make on a budget. My why is to eat more healthy, you know, whatever. My why is to feed six people every night and, you know, whatever, whatever your why is, then I think that helps you narrow your planning process, which we already talked about, when otherwise I can just be like, this is too much. I don't even know how to Google what to cook for dinner tonight. You know, what? That's like, it's too much. It's too much. It's so true. Okay. Well, this has been so fun and I love talking to you about all things, but especially cooking since it's your sweet spot. And I can see the joy that you bring to this topic. Like, us talking today, of course, but I love watching you on Instagram. You just have such a good vibe that makes me want to be in the kitchen. And listen, girl, that is not true about everyone who talks about (laughs) cooking and food. (laughs) Sometimes I'm like, oh, this is not making me want to be in the kitchen. But every time I watch you, it like, it really like is contagious, your enthusiasm for this topic. So thank you so much for chatting with us here. Please tell everyone where they can find your new book or where they can find you and follow you because they're going to want to. Uh, thank you so much, Laura. That means the world to me. And people can find me on Instagram at Brie McCoy. I'm on there often sharing recipes, teaching cooking skills. And my cookbook is out. It's called The Cook's Book. And you can get it. It's available on all the places everywhere. And I still have my pre-order bonuses available. So if you order the book today, you can still get uh, the Cook's Bundle, which is a lot of free recipes and downloads. Also, can I just say that your book, because I've talked about how pretty it is, would make a great gift. So if you are looking ahead, if listeners are looking ahead for Christmas gifts or anything like that, it would make such a good gift because it's so pretty. You could pair it with a, you know, really fantastic bottle of wine. There's a section in the book about wine pairing and wine. So like that would be such a good gift, I feel like. Ah, I'm so glad you said that because I also think I also think it would be a good gift. But I really do. It's pretty. It has a lot. It has a, like you mentioned, there's a whole food and wine pairing guide at the end. There's a whole guide on how to bring together a beginner's bar cart. It's just, it's fun. What you're going to do is you're going to gift that to someone and then you're going to tell them, I'm coming over to your house in a week and you're going to make something from this book and you're going to make me a cocktail. And so you're going to benefit from it too, you know? What a great idea that is. That is so cute. I love it. All right. This was so fun, friend. I will put links to everything in the show notes so that you guys can find Bree's book, find her on Instagram, find more about her in general on her website. She teaches classes, all kinds of things that you're going to want to know them all. I will put them all in the show notes. Thanks for being here and sharing your stuff, Bree McCoy. Thank you so much for having me. You've just listened to an episode of the 10 Things to Tell You podcast. 
For show notes and links, go to 10thingstotellyou.com. Make sure you're following us on Facebook and Instagram at 10thingstotellyou. And you can also join our free connection group on Facebook to discuss episodes and topics. For bonus content, ad-free episodes, and monthly Zoom gatherings with me, join my Secret Stuff Patreon community by going to 10thingstotellyou.com slash secret stuff. Thanks for listening. 